although this is a podcast that claims to take nothing seriously, some subjects are genuinely serious and need to be treated seriously, and this episode touches on some of those topics. We've included a detailed content note for this episode in the description. Please take a moment to read that before continuing. The... Taters. <laughs> taters. <laughs> Channers taters. <laughs> now I'm picturing him as a big tater tot. He, he's a little bit like a tater tot. He is sort of shaped like a tater tot, isn't he? Like a yeah. slightly like a more chiseled tater tot, but yeah. a tater tot nevertheless. He definitely has a tater tot head. And I'm James. And we're your hosts for Not, Not Another, Another Shakespeare, Shakespeare Podcast. The podcast that takes neither itself nor Shakespeare very seriously. And today, for science, we revisited the 2006 Amanda Bynes classic, She's the Man. Yes. Yes. Part of a, a series that we're mm-hmm. uh, looking outside of the realm of the plays themselves and um, Into movie. More, yeah, movie movies. adaptations movie adaptations um so yeah we we started with she's the man because we did 12th night in season two and james has a weird fascination with this movie i don't think i have a fascination (laughs) you've mentioned it every time i've talked about 12th night no i haven't i've never seen the film i don't know anything about it I think I probably hadn't. I seen think you're it. projecting your I own fascination of the film. I hadn't seen it since 2006. I think. But I've never seen it in okay. my life. Well, now you have. I was vaguely familiar with the concept, even. Mm-hmm. But now you have seen it. But now I, unfortunately, I have seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's not great, is it? No, but what's interesting is um, I had a little bit of a, a little Google around mm, a um, just just before we started now, and there seems to be. A bit of a, a cultural renaissance for this film. Oh, a it seems to be sort of coming back a little bit more in the kind of spotlight with people saying, "Oh, it was ahead of its time," and all this kind of thing. And what? In yeah. what? In what ways was this movie ahead of its time? Well, I have a, a, a sort of a, a, a quote that's not a quote because I shorthanded it. Okay, a paraphrase. But it was saying there, there were several articles, mm-hmm. not just one, that were saying it was sort of ahead of its time in terms of gender politics and sort of um the, the quote is about attraction being more more fluid and non-binary than, than we thought at the time dear listeners you cannot see my face right now but if you could oh the faces i am making yeah what <laughs> in what way are the gender politics of she's the man of their time seriously Google this shit. After, I, I believe after this. you. I believe the, you. Not one, multiple that are all, you know, looking to sort of vindicate. And I wouldn't say it's like a really badly regarded film. It's it's kind of in the sort of teen, in the middle of the whole kind of teen comedies. It mm-hmm. kind of sits right, and you know, I've got the the various ratings it had at the time, and it's all right. fairly. You know, I don't think it's it's regarded as a bad film, but it's not regarded as a good film, but. There seems to be more things popping up in recent years that are like, oh, it was overlooked and all these sorts of things. You're like, oh, we just sat down and watched it. I, I, I could have not watched that film. I, I, yeah, I think I might have been happier in my life if I had never seen that film again. 
You would have been happier if you'd never seen it. I would have been happier in, in my general life if I had seen it in the cinema in 2006 and never thought about it again. Mm, really? That, I think that, so. That poorly? It, do you know what? Yeah. <laughs> interesting. It's, it's I, think, I mean, great. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if, if people have, you know, reactions to our reactions. I just, I mean, I don't know. I, I am um, cisgender and straight as they come. So maybe my reaction is is you know, not um, what everybody's reaction would be. But I just think the gender <laughs> politics of this movie are, it's so binary and it's so like girl power, post-feminism 2006. Mm. And it's very, um, yeah, it like they go way out of their way to show us how hot Amanda Bynes is when she's not dressed up as a boy. And when she is dressed up as a boy, there's all this like kind of like, homophobic like panic about her being touchy with Let, Channing Tatum just, is that in the source text it is implied in the source text okay. I would say what is not in the source text is is the level of concern about Viola passing right right like the I think Twelfth Night and maybe people can correct me if I'm missing something but the the play is not super concerned with how well Viola quote unquote passes as a man. There's, it, she pretty much yeah. is just accepted yeah. as male from everybody. Um, and even when she has a kind of a, a little moment of worry about it in the, um, the fight that never happens with Sir Andrew, when she's kind of gearing up for that, yeah. she has a moment where she says something like, something, something will show them how much I lack of a man, meaning she doesn't have a cock. So, they're going to find out if she gets injured yeah, yeah. that she's not a man. But there, there's really very little anxiety about that in the play, maybe because it was a very common stage convention at the time because mm. cross-dressing was was such a normal thing on an early modern stage. Maybe because the, the part was actually played by a boy actor. So, you know, not to assume anything about his gender or, or I mean, gender is expressed in very different ways in the early modern period anyway. But maybe maybe that mitigates some of that maybe the the comedy can be elsewhere because it's such a convention but the movie is obsessed with <laughs> how Her much does amanda Bynes a... actually seem like a boy and she doesn't <laughs> and, and not, well, a... it's not even that she doesn't is that it's that there's a very narrow definition of what counts as a boy in the movie yeah. i think right like it's not and it's it's interestingly not so much to do with how she looks as it is to do with how she behaves. Yeah. 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 Mm. Mm -hmm. Also, Channing Tatum is at least 30 years old. <laughs> he's, he's, he's noticeably like he's noticeably older. older. And it does kind of look like, especially that bit where he says he turns up in a suit and you're yeah. like, you've been barely getting away with it in your high school outfit, but put on a suit and no. Yeah. Becomes the <laughs> debutante ball at the end. So we looked it up. Um, the age gap is not as horrific as you might expect for a teen movie. It's in, not as bad as it looks. Aughts. It looks more bigger than it is. Yeah. Right? So Tatum in 2006 was 26 years old. Amanda Bynes was 20. They probably shot it a year earlier. So they're 19 and 25. But it, it's not actually a, a massively concerning age gap. But he looks a thousand years older. Than her. <laughs> a thousand years. 
really it's it truly is like like bordering on ancient vampire meets innocent teen levels of of apparent age gap it's a bit weird and it's particularly noticeable when she's dressed in her sebastian gear yeah because at the start i was like wait hang on a minute is she like like gone up into it like several years in school and there's even some comment they make about it don't they yeah when she comes into the that's how obvious when when you first see her come in to the dorm with the other guys you're like whoa <laughs> she, she looks like she's about 13 and it, in in boy years right 13 yeah, or 14 yeah. and it is noticeable um and it doesn't kind of help with her awkward kind of weird ass accent which we'll get yeah, onto in a what, bit what was that voice <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll come on to that <laughs> i have so many questions but that doesn't I, help right i also just want to say like and I think the conversation was probably in a different place in 2006. And maybe this wasn't something that was as mainstream the way it is. Like we had a scene about binders in sex education, the most recent season of sex education. So like, I don't think that would have happened in 2006. This wasn't something that the average cis person who wasn't interested in binding would have been aware of. But my God, Amanda Bynes, get a real binder for your breasts. Don't do an ace bandage. It, that is like the number one thing you are not supposed to do. <laughs> yeah yeah anyway sorry um so yeah yeah i just it just there yeah i i think it the other thing that it does is that it's really at pains for us never to question the character's cisness right like it, it kind of goes out of its way for us to for it to be clear that she's uncomfortable playing this role of the boy that she's not happy being in well, I clothes think and that there's, mannerism there's something that, the... that, that factors into that which i you know i, I found with my little all right little bit of research let's have it is that um so apparently amanda Bynes went into um like a significant depression for four to six months after being in this film because she felt so uncomfortable in the role of of, of playing a boy and that she won't watch that she doesn't yeah watch the this, film. Is, this is like known right that she experienced yeah. like actual gender dysphoria as yeah a result from from, from playing sebastian gosh it's almost like if people are forced to live as a gender that they are not that that causes psychological distress yeah yeah amazing um the other thing that you said that i thought was really interesting was the thing about how she and the director like researched for yeah yeah so apparently like to understand like the male mind or whatever uh, <laughs> and you know how all us men we just love to uh objectify and yes and, yes and all that kind of stuff um they basically went to the mall and sort of observed male behaviors and then that kind of fed back into her portrayal as a as a as a boy which right. we know is perfectly accurate yeah um, but the weird thing is and i and and i you you'd like to when i reference this in when we were watching it is that it would have been like would have made more sense to me anyway if she'd spent more time with the actor playing sebastian and just understood his particular mannerisms mm. because that's who she's supposed to be playing not just some random wait, 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 guy wait it, james james are you telling me all men don't walk around and behave in exactly the same way. Are I you am, saying men are individuals, James? I am saying that. I'm saying that controversial opinion. Mind and blown. Mind I think blown. this is where we get this, like this. I don't know the weird accent, the weird like behavior. What is that voice that she's doing? 
It's so weird. It's so it's weird. It's like trying to be like multiple things at once, I think. Yeah, it's like initially I was like, okay, is this a is this a southern accent? She mentions I wanting think to go it's to It's supposed to be a bit southern. From what the reviews and comment people's comments on it seem to imply it's sort of southern. Ish. But that's not what but her voice or her family like they are cl- it's clearly set in the south there's a debutante ball plot line they have a mcmansion that they live in the um she wants to be a tar heel right so she wants to go to university in north carolina but the i wouldn't have picked up on any of that yeah <laughs> but there's what vinnie jones is doing in the south of america i don't know but <laughs> right like <laughs> i don't i don't know um the, none of the characters have like southern accents no it's ever. it's it's trying to be two things isn't it it's trying to be like this could be anywhere in america right it's a mm-hmm. it could be anywhere but also it's then trying to be quite specific but it was also like kind of a black scent too like you got the impression well, was that, that bit where in and i know i read from my my research my half an hour research mm-hmm. whatever that that scene where she's like following guys around in the street mm. um was like real what and that so that weird bit where she's like behind that black guy <laughs> real doing that what that that walk no <laughs> no that hurts my soul so, well, and then they had the guy sign a waiver afterwards presumably yeah uh, like wow because otherwise it wouldn't be it wouldn't have made the so film. she was doing her actual generic man research and they were just filming it well i think it was supposed to be like oh it'll be funny we're like you know, we've done our mall research now. We know everything there is to know about men. <laughs> because we've, we've <laughs> And the director is a man, by the men. way. The director yeah. is a man. He could have just been like, right. this like, is how men behave. <laughs> no, let's go to the mall and watch some men because we know that men behave most like men when they're in the mall. Yeah. But <laughs> that, also, that like, known that habitat of men. What does it even mean to behave like a generic man? There is no such thing. There is right? no such there is thing. No such thing. And that's the thing about um, the film. For, for all these people saying that, oh, it's, you know, challenging perceptions of, of attraction because you have you know women attracted to, to women but they're not attracted to them because they're women they're attracted to them because the you know the general qualities and that's quite advanced but at the same time it's doing that it's also incredibly binary by saying this is what a man is like this is what mm-hmm. a woman is like and mm-hmm. it doesn't get any more binary than when you get to the end and they're oh look i have a penis oh look i have boobs yeah they're, they're like <laughs> the very first of all that very public outing thing that the principal is doing right that the the headmaster from the school is where he like, I don't know if you haven't seen this film in a while. We probably should have done a little quick recap. We I mean, maybe we'd, we, we'll, we'll do it yeah. in a minute. We're, we're, we're kind of in rant mode. This, ep- <laughs> this episode is definitely going to have a trigger warning on it. I But the, so the headmaster of the school hears from the Malvolio equivalent and another character who I guess is sort of a Mariah. She's called Monica, right? Or I'm not sure. The only thing I could find out was that the guy who is Malvolio is supposed to be Malvolio and Feste, but I didn't see any Feste in him whatsoever. There was no Feste in him at all. He wasn't funny. There was nothing. There was no... no, If anything, I thought David Cross was the... You know, the headmaster was probably the closest to Feste, but even then, not really. Not really. More... I mean, he was attempting humour. Yeah, he was supposed to be kind of goofy. He's doing his kind of classic... Yeah. I mean, David Cross just turns up in random films to look like an idiot. Let's he does, be honest. Yes, I, I've seen he, him in The Squeakle. I know what, he's, what he's capable of. <laughs> this is a running joke in James's family about the Alvin and the Chipmunks films. The Squeakle being Squeakle. probably the, the low point <laughs> of an already fairly low series, let's be honest. 
Wait, who did i don't know all right so <laughs> unfortunately there's no shakespeare in the sequel, so i don't know if we'll ever come we'll on never that. come on to it so it towards the end of the film um the malvolio equivalent and this other girl have um worked out what amanda Bynes is doing so they have they have figured out that she's impersonating her twin brother and they have this plan where they're going to expose her because they both for different reasons want to get revenge on her and Instead of handling it like an adult and speaking to her directly in private, perhaps with a third party present, the headmaster of the school decides that the time to talk about this is midway through the first period of the big soccer slash football game that the whole movie is building up to. Yeah. Which, like, on so many levels makes no sense. Just, like, as a teacher, I just... I, I crumpled into a thousand pieces <laughs> at that moment. What? You don't want to like out one of your... <laughs> you don't. Like, honestly, like what... In the, the largest possible spectacle imaginable. Yeah. So, and But then what has happened by that point is that actual Sebastian has come back from his random sojourn in London. It's very convenient and conveniently. contrived. <laughs> and so he, he's come back. Which we never hear of again. Right. What, he plays a bunch of gigs in London. Yeah. And that was the end of that. Yes. And his parents are upset about it. So he comes back from London a day early. But his parents don't care that both their children flashed themselves at the soccer game. You know, the, it was a very sex positive time. No, it wasn't. It was not. Um, the Yeah. For what, so anyway, what happens is that he's kind of come back and he doesn't play soccer slash football. And... But he's been sort of suited into the uniform and like thrown yeah. on the field because Amanda Bynes is a very good soccer player and she's been impersonating him. And so anyway, she was supposed to be playing in this game, but she overslept because of another subplot. And that we'll get on to. We'll I, I have to. I have more research to confirm certain theories we have about that character. Oh, as interesting. Well. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, Amanda Bynes is late for the game and her twin brother plays instead, but he's a shitty football player, soccer player regardless the headmaster stops the game mid play like he doesn't even wait for a he does a timeout he does a timeout isn't really a thing well, it comes sort of onto the really field with like a whole crew of people and announces over the megaphone that sebastian is a girl and that not only is sebastian a girl sebastian is specifically his own twin sister viola and that she's been impersonating him the entire time and everybody is shocked by this. He insists that it's not true. He hasn't seen the twin sister yet, so he has no idea that any of this yeah, has happened. Yeah, he's just literally rolled up. Literally just, just shown up from London and put on a uniform and, had and, and played. Olivia kiss him and then run away. Yes. Conveniently run away. Conveniently like, run like away. You, do. you kiss someone and then you don't you don't look at them and you run off. Certainly like like not. you do in normal life. You run That's away. how we met. That's yeah, that is exactly <laughs> you, what happened. You kissed it, me and ran off. It took you a really long time to track me down, but that was the test, James. That was the that test. That was the test. The Olivia you test. really loved me you'll find me um yeah god encouraging stalkers everywhere so oh we'll, we'll get onto the stalker elements there's the stalker hard stalker elements in this film yeah with malvolio oh, god. <laughs> his pillow it's such a train wreck so <laughs> so the principal is on the field he has announced this thing to the entire fucking stadium with his big ass megaphone and sebastian is insisting that he is not a girl that he is or a, a crab. boy <laughs> or a crab he's a boy and i can't remember who but somebody says something like prove it yeah 
It might and be Malvolio. We've kind and, of ruined the surprise here. Yeah. But. Well, what he does is he pulls his trousers down and he shows everyone his penis. Yeah. Because penis equals boy, everybody. Yeah. Yep. That's how and that works. That even slightly weirder. I believe one of her female, Viola's female friends has then got binoculars and is like, ooh. Yeah. And she says, so, so Violet conveniently has a hairstylist and makeup artist, gay best friend, who helps her pass as, as a, a boy, boy. Yeah. so he gives her like bushy eyebrows and little sideburns and a wig and whatever and one of the girls says to him oh wow good job paul like as in well done mocking up that dildo i guess right or that like fake penis oh i missed that line completely. oh yeah it was, it was sort of a little throwaway where where I do mean, we that, even, that would be impressive where do we even start <laughs> with how fucking transphobic that is. is like it's so it's a mess it's amazing like like um you look back and i i mean i i've in, i you know watched it i watch i like watching things about um critiquing bad things mm-hmm. um and it, you know one of the interests is in you know bad films mm-hmm. i don't know if this is in quite so bad to be like a bad film but it's not a good film mm-hmm. um but one of the things i've learned from from watching these things is how much transphobia there is in films and how recent that is mm-hmm. and as well as homophobia race a lot of casual racism sneaks in under the radar um well i think un- under the radar of people who have the power in the studios right yeah like certainly not under the radar of, of no not the people <laughs> yeah who are like actually affected <laughs> yeah we had a um a wonderful moment of like fat shaming and homophobia in the same sentence from the, the coach same, at one point. When yeah. They, yeah. It, like it's just the, it, it's like somebody set out to be like, right, how can we make a film that is a very transphobic, be very homophobic, see horrible to anyone who's not already generically hot <laughs> like it's uh, just should, is, should, we, should we jump onto that yeah let's because, talk about eunice <laughs> so eunice right eunice, eunice is the nerdy girl with big braces she's not Glasses. really like that much of a character except for the fact of her kind of relationship with viola and then that the other guy i don't know his mm-hmm. name random guy random jock at the end right mm-hmm. and um we don't really know much about her other than that she's obviously supposed to be the ugly kind of nerdy weird awkward girl who's also kind of weirdly like sexual because mm-hmm. she's all all over channing tatum yeah she's like hypersexual but also nerdy but in real life from my research <laughs> half and half research um <laughs> apparently that actress was apparently one of the, the most attractive women on the set or, or girls i don't know how old she is and that loads of people had a crush on her and it's like ugly Betty all over again. Yeah. Right? It's that same they thing. They cast like, a hot person and put braces on yeah. her and glasses and pretend like that makes her not hot. It fucking doesn't. But it's another one of these tropes that's like funny. Yeah. Hilarious. It's one of those, isn't it? Hilarious. Yeah. The jock has a crush on the girl with braces. Wow. But she's actually hot. She's actually secretly hot. It's, just, it's like the Princess Diaries all over again. Like, I don't, we probably haven't <laughs> talked about this, but I have like, trauma is probably too extreme a word but i i have feelings about the princess diaries because at the time when the princess diaries came out my hair looked like anne hathaway's before hair and i also wore glasses and if you had curly hair (laughs) 
in that time in the I don't know late nineties early aughts whatever time, that was yeah two thousand five ish mid mid two thousands you know that those hal- halcyon days yeah we didn't we didn't have the resources that kids today have I mean I there there were no women for apart from my cousins who had hair like mine and and actually my cousins were mostly like making the mistakes of hair at that point I yeah it was. Anyway, I I didn't really have like hair role models and I we didn't really have the internet wasn't as much of a thing yet. Um, I'm sure there were chat rooms or message boards or whatever that I could have been looking at, but I was a very sheltered kid, <laughs> so I wasn't. I didn't think it was like mainstream. Though, was it, it? Wasn't, wasn't mainstreamed. Like a... And and the the Amanda Bynes, the Jennifer Aniston, they all had very that like, kind of yeah. stick straight hair. Yeah, yeah, was I, I what everybody wanted to have, and so the. Um, the fashion in that film we'll come on to that <laughs> it's so but yeah i do i genuinely have like um like memories of of seeing anne hathaway as her ugly self in that version and being like wow that looks like me yeah and that's kind of shitty because i there were, there were like very prescribed notions of what attractiveness was not and that there's not now but i think it's it's a little bit more open i would say like there's definitely a wider variety of yeah it's still quite styles prescribed but at least there's like well at least there's like four options now (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's not like everybody has to be a jennifer aniston clone yeah which it was i feel like that time there was you know the way that they had definitely in in like white mainstream media movies and tv shows and stuff like well like i said ugly betty and all of those kind of things there was very much a yeah yeah and it that i mean that was the other thing that struck me in that the very first scene of the movie when they're on the beach and they're they're playing beach soccer and everybody's in their bikinis oh my god they're skinny yeah these girls are so i like how they they really kept to the source material (laughs) (laughs) it starts on a beach that's like the play you know the beach and the football yeah they they start on a beach in 12th night they do they do actually they do it's true yeah um yeah, but they're really, really skinny, like, like ribs sticking out skinny, which, which was the most, I mean, probably really is still the most desirable body type at that point in time. Mm. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. Can we talk for a minute about how Channing Tatum's character is literally called Duke Corsino? <laughs> yeah. I feel like we need to address that. <laughs> and I think I said to you, like, you could probably get away with calling him one of those two names. Right. Like, oh, it's Duke. <laughs> Even Duke Tatum probably would have been Duke better. Duke Tatum. <laughs> probably would have been better. But like, <laughs> if you called him like, I don't know, Duke Smith or something. Yeah, or, or like... John Orsino. Or John Orsino. And his, his like, nickname on the soccer team is Duke or something. Yeah, like, like his nickname is Duke. Yeah. Right. But like, just calling him Duke Orsino is like, and come they say on. It, they say the whole name like that, like several times. It is so crazy. It's so on the nose. Oh, and because pretty much every other character gets some kind of, like you have Viola and Sebastian. But other than that, Malvolio is a tarantula. Yeah. And the, the Malvolio character equivalent is called Malcolm. Yeah. There's no Mariah, there's no Andrew, there's no... I mean, unless some of the the kind of background characters whose names we don't really hear have those names. But... I don't think so. It's really... It is on the nose. And he's also the character who gives us the only Shakespeare quote in the movie. At at that pivotal time. (laughs) Shoehorned in. like, Like the sorest thumb you ever saw. Right. So, okay. Coming back to that horrible moment 
of uh of outing you, well, you didn't slash love that, that scene. <laughs> well, okay. So so Sebastian gets his dick out and proves to everybody Every, what a boy he everyone is. Everyone applauds. Everyone applauds. Literally everyone applauds. Including his parents. His dad says something like, That's my boy. <laughs> and <laughs> and at then, least I guess people have a similar reaction when uh Viola gets a tits out. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do. So I and this this is what's also like just just physics wise makes no sense to me. We'll come on to that. So in the halftime, Viola kidnaps Sebastian and is like, this is what's been happening. Give me your soccer uniform. I'll play the rest of the game for you. Very easily convinces the coach to put her back in. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen Vinnie Jones lay down so easily. <laughs> and then there's a, um, there's a, something happens where Duke Corsino should have passed the ball to her and he doesn't because he He's thinks mad. that she was kissing Olivia. Yeah. And she wasn't. That was actual Sebastian. Just like in the play, there's there's a little bit of, you know, love triangling happening. Anyway, she stops the entire game <laughs> to explain to him that she is, in fact, a girl. And he doesn't believe her at first, which it is, is kind of incredible. Like, for the, the, the extent that they go to, to, like, try and make this, quote unquote, realistic in the mm, movie. And then yeah. when he's literally just seen actual Sebastian a minute ago, he's looking at Amanda Bynes and is like, no, I don't believe you. I don't know. Seems yeah. far No one seems to like notice that. that they're she, completely, two completely different people. They're two different people. And apart from, I guess maybe the hair, they look pretty different. Pretty much nothing alike. His, his face shape is completely different. Um, like it's anyway he's like taller as well i swear he's taller he's broader he yeah, yeah the anyway that's a casting question and his, his like football surely they would notice from like his football performance yeah. like oh this what is going on like what is going on i mean they do in the sense of like oh he gets taken off or whatever but like wouldn't you be like that's doesn't look like the same person it doesn't it does not at all look like the same person and i i know that that is true in the play also but i think the play gets away with it because it's theater and not a movie. <laughs> and also because it, that was a con like a stage convention, right? At the time, like yeah. cross-dressing was a thing anyway. So yeah, so he's, he doesn't believe her. And so to prove him wrong, she lifts up her shirt and shows everyone her tits. Two applause. Two applause. Again. Again. And her parents freak out about this one. There's no, Do they? I yeah, there's I no, that. that's my girl. The, yeah. The parents are like, oh my God. And they cover their eyes. The, <laughs> I mean, maybe they're just saying, oh my God, because at this point, both of their children have exposed <laughs> themselves at the local football game. Also, like, I don't know. Also just like the, the equivalence of penis and breasts, I feel like is, is a little bit problematic. Like surely the equivalent would be her cooch. Yeah. But no breasts are just as quote-unquote explicit as a penis apparently but also she's See, i always thought the hierarchy went like boobs dick cooch <laughs> but at but, the top like what but at the top yeah well, no but is at the top and the bottom yeah not not just as a pun but <laughs> but like <laughs> getting explicit you want me to go explicit here to explain yeah, my reason come on, explain it so like if you're showing the butt and yeah. it's just like the cheeks then it's, yeah. it's kind of at the top it's pretty oh yeah pretty light yeah if you're showing the actual like butthole i feel like that's how many movies bottom. do you know that are showing actual butthole well, like real like not porn, not porn. like mainstream <laughs> yeah, <no>. movies <laughs> like, probably none in a cinema <laughs> in a cinema <laughs> 
<laughs> it all walks out the cinema saying, oh, that was a very good erotic thriller, but I could have done it without the butthole. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they should. I don't know. But so anyway, so she gets her boobs out and yeah, there is applause. But the, the, there's a couple of problems with this. What the kind of mechanical one is, how has she been playing a soccer game with apparently no bra and no binder? Mm-hmm. Right, like she go. They have this whole like the, the whole first half of the movie. There's all these like elaborate scenes of her like wrapping herself up in this ace bandage and like leaving it places, and it gets stuck in drawers, and it's like this whole thing. And then suddenly, somehow, at this very pivotal moment, it's just not there. Yeah. When it would actually be helpful to her in a in a game situation, like I don't. Oh, yeah, those, she could just those of you who show don't have breasts that she has breasts, but they could still be like covered up because of the binding, right? Right, but they're not. There, so like because it's 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 funny. Maybe she's wearing a sports bra under there. I don't know, but it looks like she just lifts up her t-shirt and there are her tits. Anyone who has breasts, like that's not a comfortable way to play soccer. Frankly. No, but she's also playing with her hair down. So <laughs> yeah, then she plays the rest of the game with her hair down. But the other problem with this is is the same problem we had with dick equals boy, like boobs equal girl. Apparently, yeah. That this is it's just so essentialist and so like. Oh, well, it's it's that because it's it's like you know, funny, quote mm-hmm. unquote, right? And I don't know if it is like that funny, really. Well, and I think to be honest, having lived through two thousand six as a woman, I think what they were trying to do was some kind of equality comment, right? They were trying to be like, oh, okay, like well, the whole film is is trying to have an equality comment, right? The mm-hmm. whole thing is that you know girls can do things just as well as boys, yeah. Except for the fact, and I did point this out. Um, except for the fact that she needs Channing Tatum right. to train her. She literally can't do it as well as the boys. <laughs> the implicit assumption is that girls aren't as good at football as boys, but she girls can be. Like, she just barely makes the team, and then yeah. she's um, second string at that. And it's very... Um, and actually doesn't score the penalty at the end, now I think of it. She only she scores it because it because gets Channing saved, and then her. Channing Tatum passes it back, and she yep. volleys it in. She doesn't do it. She, she's not good enough to do it by herself. Right. She's relying on Channing Tatum to get that goal. Right. And it, oh, there's so much, there's so much. And it's such a... Although apparently, know. you know the bicycle kick, I said like, what the fuck's going on there? Yeah. Apparently he actually did that. I, w- I believe that because... Channing... And they did actually train football together. Oh, good. All right. So, so like, they learned nothing. some soccer. They learned some soccer. Channing Tatum is, I think he has a dance background. I think he is actually like a, like a dancer because um, he was in the Step Up films around the same time, which is what I know him better for. This was apparently his... Like big break. One of his breakout roles. Yeah. He was in something else a year before. Okay. Um, and then Step Up was the same year. So it was like a a big Tatum year. It was the Tatum year. It was the Tatum Tatum years. Yeah. The Tatum years. He, um, See, it's funny because I I didn't watch any of these films at the time. So for me, like my knowledge of Tatum was from like 21 Jump Street, which is all like five years later Mm -hmm. or something. (laughs) These are, these are not, um, you were not the target market for these films. (laughs) I would say. No, and having watched the film, I can confirm that. <laughs> yeah, in in the way that I had no idea who Vinny What's He Called was. Vinny Jones. Yeah, no idea. Yeah, you've not seen Snatch or Lockstock. No, and I don't know football, so. so and you don't know football. Mean Just Machine. For, for our nerdy listeners who may not be aware of who he is. Yeah, so he is an actual footballer um, from what, late 80s, early 90s You're or looking so. at me like I'm going to know. Like, like a, quite an aggressive defender. Mm. You know, the guy that he'd be like going and doing the, the sort of dirty tackles and stuff. And that's how he can went on to have this sort of, you know, kind of tough guy movie role, like mm. um, career. Yeah. In the sort of, yeah, late, late 90s, 2000s. 
I d- I've not seen him in anything for ages, but you know, I don't know. He's, he's probably still appearing in things randomly. Sure he's he randomly is. in elementary. Yeah, he was he. Yeah. Uh, in in the first series, so you, okay. So I but he like he pops up in things, you know. But he yeah. was in the two thousands. I would have said was his probably his like when he was in quite a lot of films and things. Mm. As as the you know usual kind of that type bruisery of kind of role, right? Yeah, and that's, he's the he's the um, coach in the he's one of the coaches in this, um, and he is sort of bruisery, isn't he? Yeah, except yeah. for <laughs> except for letting her play at the end, where he's like, yeah, yeah, fine. yeah. So anyway, so she gets her tits out. Completely abandons his whole like hard ass persona. <laughs> she pulls off her fake sideburns and eyebrows, which if again, if you've ever worn fake facial hair for theatre or, or anything else. But he's pro-girl at the end. So. He's, he's pro-girl at the end, but he also calls her a Nancy boy in the first <laughs> practice. I just, like, oh, anyway, so she pulls all this fake facial hair off, which ouch, if, if you've never done that, um, usually you need some uh, chemical assistance for that kind of thing. She takes her wig off, her hair flows free, she's had her tits out, so now it's really clear that she's a girl, and because that's how we define girls is by long hair and breasts, Tits. apparently. And then she plays the rest of the game with her hair down and still with apparently no bra. Yeah. Doesn't seem to me like the best way to play a soccer game. But what do I know? I'm not an athlete. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So any like it just. Oh, and we had to end with weddings. Of course, of yeah. course, because it's a Shakespeare comedy. The obviously none of the high school characters are are getting married, but uh, well, Eunice and that like random guy they're making out, makes right? out like, and there's... just like just dis- disappear. They like go underneath yeah. the camera, and then we never see them again. There's definitely let's, like let's just consider that for a second. <laughs> they're just mm-hmm. on the floor. <laughs> yeah, they just evaporate into. <laughs> there's definitely like couples at the end. But the marriage implied is that Amanda Bynes' divorced parents get back together because it's 2006. We can't possibly have divorced parents at the end of a comedy. Yeah, that weird, like, oh, we should exchange numbers or whatever. It's like, like one fucking football game isn't going to bring back <laughs> your that's Apparently. Not, that's not how you solve. Apparently. Oh, we didn't talk about the summer born great moment. That's what. That's why we went that's back. Where to, we saw, we were all over we the place. There's so much happening. Boobs in the first place. So anyway, all right. So she's she got her hair down. She got her tits out. The coach, for some reason, is not the one making the decision. It's Channing Tatum <laughs> deciding whether she can continue to play in this game. And he says, "Well, it's like coach says before every game. Some are born great. Some achieve greatness, and some have greatness." thrust upon them wow it's just she, a bit ham-fisted isn't it it's extremely ham-fisted like to quote james khan in elf wow that was weird it, it, it doesn't fit the tone of the film it's so at that point horns. after everyone just you know just, guys just got a dick out amanda bye's got a tits out right now let's shoehorn in a shakespeare quote just to convince right. everyone that this is still a shakespeare inspired movie <laughs> i mean to be fair shakespeare probably would have approved of getting various body getting parts out like there's i don't think that that's out. necessarily not shakespearean but it's is, just, is shakespeare is, pro dick and tit shakespeare is, is pro everything i think shakespeare <laughs> is, i mean talk about the number of dick jokes in a shakespeare play that's true the answer that's is true. as many as you can find the you know it's I think my it doesn't fit the character of the coach at all 
right? Like it doesn't make sense that this, that this sort of very poetic, flowery thing is something that he would say to this given team, his character throughout given the whole his characterization. Film. It doesn't sound right coming from this version Channing of Channing Tatum, Tatum Duke Orsino. <laughs> he he also is not really like a poetic kind of character. No, but it, he's sensitive. It's the kind of thing that maybe actual Sebastian would have said because he's a songwriter and he has this these very. Kind and he's of been to London. And he's been to London. And he writes, he writes <laughs> we, these, we've known nothing about. He writes from... these like sensitive lyrics that yeah. Olivia is really attracted to. So maybe you know he could have said it. I, it just it is. It seems like the least good place to do that. <laughs> yeah. Just knocking plants over. You're not, again, you're knocking again. the plants over. You're so angry. Constantly, we need to move this plant. I think. <laughs> you anger plant. <laughs> My wingspan is too, too oh, wide. I just realized the plant has died. Well, no, it's it's sleeping. Oh, it's sleeping. Yeah. Okay. Orchids don't blossom in the winter. Uh, okay. <laughs> or maybe they do and I killed it. Um. Okay. Yeah. It just. I don't know. Oh, and then at the end, she's still playing for the boys team, which I don't have a problem with, like, kind of in general. But this implies to me that this Illyria school doesn't also have Oh, yeah, the school team. is called Illyria, by the, the way. It's called Illyria. <laughs> it, and it just, like, oh, okay. So, mind it, this is actually a point I wanted to make. Reversing all the way back to the beginning of the film. Can you tell we've been drinking? The, we had to. We had to. We had to. Um... The so right at the start of the film, the thing that kind of kicks off all the action is that Amanda Bynes's football team, soccer team at her original school, and um, the girls' team has their budget cut because not enough girls have signed up to play. And the coach says, they all say, Well, can we try out for the boys' team? And the coach says, No, girls can't play at the same level as boys. And Amanda Bynes' boyfriend is like, Yeah, girls suck. And then she breaks up with him. That causes some drama later on. Um but the the solution, her solution to that is to impersonate her twin brother while he's out of town. Who's conveniently just decided to yeah, go to who, London. Who conveniently is going to London for two weeks. And in two weeks, she goes from a, a you know, good enough for the second string player to a starting player of the team with Channing Tatum's help while pretending to be a boy, while attending a new school. Where her old school thinks she is, we never get an explanation. Nope. We never I think I pointed that out fairly early on. Yeah, like, you what did. is happening? Like the only bit where her like Viola's life comes in is about the, the debutant ball, right? Yes. Everything else is just like, oh, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah, and it like I don't know. I think the movie wants us to think that she's this like really empowered, like girl power, I can do anything kind of woman. And I don't know. It just it's just a mess. It's a whole mess. She's doing this stupid voice that is like the voice. I know a lot of men. I have played male characters before. And he didn't he didn't put on that voice. You know, surprisingly I didn't. Whatever that is. I wanted Whatever to do an impression, but is. I forgot what it was. Whatever right. that voice is, I was not doing that. Um it's so oh. And you weren't like immediately objectifying every woman you saw uh, to try and convince people yeah. that you were a man. You know, surprisingly not. Surprisingly, not. that's how that's it's not how, insulting to men. It's, it's insulting to women mostly, but it's insulting to men as well. I mean, men suck. Let's. Although I will say, know. I just wanted to raise this, and I did mention it to you earlier, but some people got really butthurt about her portrayal mm. as a boy, including one um, apparently in Entertainment Weekly um, referred her, you know, treatment as you know portraying 
um, a boy mm-hmm. to a 1986 film that is about a guy who basically puts on blackface to get a job. Called, it's called wow. Soul Man, if you ever want to be horrified. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so- and I was like... There's a lot of things wrong with that, with this film, but like... So Amanda Bynes in drag is the same as blackface. That is really, like, that review, that comment is worse than anything in the film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a bad performance, but it's not like... Let's not not bring Soul Man into it. (laughs) It's not on the level of blackface. Yeah, so... Anyway, so she, so her school soccer team, the girls' team, gets canceled, and I like in my brain, I immediately went mm, Title Nine. Um, now James didn't know what this was because Title Nine is a U.S. thing. Mm-hmm. So for our listeners who may not be aware, um, Title Nine is a piece of legislation from the U.S. And I have a little, hang on, I have some research of my own. Mm. I also I did less than half an hour of research, um, but it's a it's a legislation from the seventies that is about um, gender parity, basically equality yeah. in um, provisioning in education. So um, Title IX we hear about a lot at the moment around sexual harassment, sexual assault cases, particularly at universities. Usually, what you would do if you were making a complaint like that in a U.S. university is it would go through the Title IX office. Title IX also provisions um, that athletics programs for men and women have to be equal. Yeah. Um, and they have to be equal in in kind of particular ways. So how equality is defined is a little bit controversial. It depends on, you know, who you're talking to and what numbers you're talking about. But so for things like um, if your sports program has $600,000 in scholarships to give away and your participation in sports is 50-50, you've got 50% women, 50% men. Yeah. Um, 300,000 of that has to go to women and 300,000 of it has to go to men, right? Like it has to be literally equal. Yeah. Very binary. As we know, sports in general is very binary. Like yeah, the Olympics yeah. has a, it's a huge issue with trans athletes and, and doesn't really know what to do. Um, can't really fathom that somebody might not fit into those two very particular boxes. Um, But basically the the title nine is related to federal funding. So you can't get government money essentially, if you're not compliant with title nine. Now, (laughs) has anyone ever actually been like investigated and sanctioned for not complying with title nine in sports? Very rarely, unless somebody makes a complaint, but where people do sue a school or a university or um, not having sort of fair provision in athletics across men and women, 95% of the time they win that suit. So, wow. yeah. Mm. Yes. Um, but it's not like the government is going around checking. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> Unless imagine. somebody kind of brings a complaint. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I, I immediately was like, oh, Title IX. I think because the movie is portraying private schools. Right. The the kind of implicit message is that those schools don't receive federal money, therefore Title IX doesn't apply to them. Right, okay. That's that was that was kind of what I took from it. Um, but I was sort of like it, it was surprising to me, I guess, that nobody in this whole movie ever mentioned Title IX. And that right. that, that wouldn't be like as a as a, a young woman who's 
soccer team had been cut, you wouldn't immediately be like, what about Title IX? And then a grown up could explain like, well, we don't receive federal money, so we don't have to comply with Title IX. Mm. But yeah, just the fact that I would like that scene with David Cross, to be honest. But But the fact that it was never mentioned and then she's still playing for the boys team at the end. That ending was just weird as well, because it's like, oh, so you just moved schools. And it, everything is just like... Everything's hunky-dory. Hunky-dory. Mm-hmm. But it also, and this is, I don't know if this is a term we've used on the podcast yet, it it to me is very... Um, it's an exemplar, shall we say, right. of neoliberal feminism. This is, this is a term I've used dirty before. Dirty word, neoliberal. I know. So um, neoliberalism... This is, this is how I explain it to my students, is a uh, ideology, shall we say. It's a, it's a system of belief um, that says that individual success is the main thing that's going to improve everyone's life. So it's very focused on, um, yeah, kind of, kind of individual economic. Me for me. Yeah, me for me. And if I do well, women are doing well. Or if I do well, middle class people are doing well or whatever. Um, it is associated with Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher, sorry to bring their names into it, um, in the 80s. Um, and it's, James is shaking his head. Yeah. SMDH. Um, but that, I mean, the, that is, can I just bring it around to the film yeah. a second? That is 100% what happens in this film because mm-hmm. at the start of the film, she's on a whole football team yeah. with other girls. She makes it into the boys' team at the end, but there's other girls. Their dreams of football stardom gone they all just disappear we never see them play football again in the nope. film after the first was it in the 10 minutes no and in fact they become the targets of her attempt to prove what a quote-unquote man she is by objectifying women right yeah, they, they come and they pretend to be a, attracted to her as a boy yep to give her the cred for her to get in with tatum and his bros yep which is quite a weird it's scene, kind of a dark actually. trajectory really it's quite like misogy- misogynistic <laughs> it's right? very misogynist yeah but it's all being orchestrated by the female characters which makes it like i don't know if it makes it worse but it makes it like it's what it <laughs> what it makes extremely clear is that the only person whose success we're interested in in this movie is amanda Bynes. Right. Like if she gets what she wants, we don't really have to care about what happens to all these other characters. No. And that I mean, fair enough. That is how most heroes journey stories work in general. Right. We we care about the hero and everyone else is sort of collateral damage and or people who, you know, kind of make it through with her. Um, But the taters, (laughs) taters, (laughs) channers, taters. Now I'm picturing him as a big tater tot. He, he's a little bit like a tater tot. He is sort of shaped like a tater tot, isn't he? Like a yeah. slightly like a more chiseled tater tot, but yeah. a tater tot nevertheless. He definitely has a tater tot head. <laughs> <laughs> he's a tot I mean? on a dancer's body. Like. Yeah, yeah. Like this very athletic tater tot. He's <laughs> at least 10 years older than all the other actors. Well, looks. Yeah. Even if technically looks. he's not, he looks about 10 years older. Genu- I mean, there is no such thing as a 17 year old who has 26 year old Channing Tatum's body. No, that's not a thing. And that just that bit at the end with the suit, just really like hammers it home. And he has like creases, like forehead creases. Like <laughs> he really like not, to, not to body shame Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum. I don't care. I have forehead creases, but he just, there is no universe in which you seriously are expecting. Me How to old are they supposed to be? They're, they're like, supposed to be 17. 17. Yeah. 
Yeah, so he's he's almost like ten years older than the role he's supposed to be. Yes, isn't wasn't it like Luke Perry in Nine Hundred Two One Zero was like, and there's like a whole tradition, isn't there, of like yeah, so, particularly male, not so much well, female. So occasionally, I mean, the, the cast of Grease, right? Let, let, okay. Let's talk about the quintessential teen movie where all the teens are thirty. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've not seen Grease for a and, very and long time. Footloose, right? Kevin Bacon is not seventeen in Footloose. He's at least twenty five. Yeah. yeah. Um, Stalker Channing in in Greece, I think, is all like, the Channings. Yeah, Stalker. <laughs> I don't actually. I don't, is Channing Tatum related to? Oh no, he's no, Channing it's the first. first name. Okay, never mind. Never mind. Um, it's like that game you play where it's like Stuckard Channing Tatum. What is yeah. that game where you connect? Oh the yeah, names? You connect like the that, names. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Stalker Channing, I think, was the oldest cast member in Greece, and she was like 32 or something. So Yeah. It's yeah. Anyway, um, there's there is a long and storied tradition of much older actors playing high school students because of course you can't have minors doing most of the things that people do in teen movies. Well they do sometimes, don't they? Occasionally, yeah. I think it's super bad they got that random kid in, didn't they? Did they? Yeah, well, I know you love Superbad. I know it's your favorite film from the 2000s. <laughs> I, do you know what? I wasn't even a feminist yet when Superbad came out, but I think that movie was, <laughs> That's what inspired was you. the moment where I was like, huh, <laughs> maybe we have not come as far. <laughs> you know, the thing is that there, there are films that are worse. Oh, there definitely after, are. After Superbad as oh, well, Oh, yes, right? there so. definitely are. But I think I wasn't, um, I, yeah, I, I was buying a different agenda at that point, I think. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so it just, it's a very neoliberal film. It's very 2006 um, in in the sense that, you know, I, I was just reading um, an article earlier today about the Sex and the City reboot and how like it doesn't know what to do with the fact that post-feminism sort of failed. Like we're, we're not actually post-feminism and that we're not all as empowered as mm. the, the Sex and the City writers would have liked us to believe. Um. The early 2000s was also like kind of obsessed with women's soccer, like because in 1999, the women's U.S. team won the Women's World Cup. Um, Anyone who was a a kid in the U.S. at that point probably remembers um, or or a teenager at that point remembers like the Brandy Chastain photo where she took her top off and she's like sliding on the field. That's where they got that. In her her sports bra, right? Like she's, but that was like very... um, that was a, a, a much circulated image. Yeah. yeah. Very iconic. And and remember we didn't have Twitter or social media really yet. So it was like, like newspapers and magazines. Like, like I, that is one of, um, one of the first images that I remember just seeing repeated everywhere. Yeah. Um, I would have been about 10 years old at the time. Did it make you want to play soccer? It not necessarily, it didn't necessarily make me want to play soccer, but it made me feel like a oh, women's sports is important. Women can play soccer not even women can i think i i think it was more that like oh people care about this now right women have been but this is this is important this is something everybody suddenly cares about mia ham was on that team too she was really cool it was just a cool team with u.s women's team um they did really well in the olympics kind of either side of that world cup win too and then of course bend it like beckham in 2002 was a big deal women's soccer movie yeah. Um, or football because it's English. Yeah. And so yeah, it just is. It it took me back <laughs> in like good ways and bad ways. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about the the wardrobe. You know what I uh, was found? I got very like strong two thousand and six vibes from it yeah. because of all the like Quicksilver, mm-hmm. like everywhere. 
Yeah, like the logo t-shirts. And also I was enjoying like how like Sum 41 was like plastered all over the wall. Mm-hmm. It's like even the though they music. were they were kind of going down a bit in 2000. <laughs> you know, they were on the they were on the way. They were on the down. They were like waning at that point. Well, they shot it in 2005. <laughs> true. Yeah, but even then I would have thought Sum 41 was sort of peak in like 2002 or something. But remember the adults wrote the movie. That's true. <laughs> so yeah. the, the set dresser was probably like, "Oh yeah, they're cool." Yeah. Um yeah, I just the the clothing that Amanda Bynes wears as Sebastian, like the the long sleeve t-shirt with the button up over it and the wide leg jeans yeah. and the and the really low rises on the women's trousers. Did you, I don't know if you noticed this, but like No, I didn't actually. It's particularly noticeable in that beach scene where they've got the like barely there triangle ba- bikini tops and these really low rise shorts. Right. That are like exposing their hip bones low rise, like basically at cooch level. And which was which was the style. I mean, everybody wore those jeans. You know what? I think that is to like try and get like guys to like continue watching the film. That that whole bit at the beginning. It's because like <laughs> any guys who who have, who have like straight guys, straight guys, I should say. Yeah, good point. Who have like been convinced to watch this film by their girlfriend, or have just happened to be watching it and being like. No, I'm not no. going to watch this. And then they're like, ooh. Well, I then, feel like that's like, your way of like trying to lure them in. Just coming back to like body types, there's a there's a moment early on where Amanda Bynes is walking into her house and she's got her hoodie up and earphones in and her brother's girlfriend is trying to like get her attention. She thinks it's Sebastian, right? So she says, oh, Sebastian, Sebastian. And then... I've got, I've got a couple realizes, on her in a yeah, well. realizes yeah. it's Amanda Bynes, and she's like, "Oh God, from behind, you and your brother look exactly the same." And she goes, "It's because of your lack of curves." And then she turns around and walks away. She's got no fucking curves because every fucking person who was famous in 2006 had the same exact body type. Yeah. There is nobody with curves in the entire movie. For the the fucking principal, what's he called? Dave Cross has has probably the most <laughs> curves of anybody. <laughs> David Cross has got has got curves. <laughs> Cross got curves. Cross got curves. <laughs> it's just it's just the line where she's like, "Oh, your lack of curves," and I'm like, "Shut the fuck up, skinny bitch! Like, yeah. where are your curves?" Anyway, I also like the fact that um, that Viola and Sebastian have got the same like um, baseball cap, mm-hmm. <laughs> just conveniently. <laughs> Yeah, which has London on it, which, uh, randomly. Even though he's not been to London yet. Right, it's like, <laughs> it would it's make like a Union Jack with London and yeah, on London it. London Rocks or something. It says, yeah. right? But my uh, the thing I remember is the bit where, you know, where it's quite... We're, sorry, we're all over the place time-wise in this. Sorry. Sort of about a third of the way into the film or whatever. And they're in the bar and she's doing that. All of her friends are coming up and mm-hmm. pretending to be like, oh, Sebastian. And then Sebastian's real girlfriend shows up. Yes. And then she's like running away, but she can't quite get away from her. So she's like, no, we're done. We're breaking up. I forgot about the bit where like suddenly like the whole of the bar starts like applauding. <laughs> it's just weird. But, well, because she like, so Amanda Bynes like breaks up with her brother's girlfriend in public in front of everybody. And is like hiding behind pizza boxes and like. Yeah, that pizza rent- order is enormous. Giant stack of like 20 <laughs> like, pizza like boxes. 20 pizza. Who's ordering 20 pizzas? Big party on campus, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. So anyway, yeah. And the whole bar like bursts into applause. And that's when Tate's and his bros accept. Like, oh, yeah. You're cool. Yeah. You know yeah. how to objectify women. <laughs> yeah. There, literally, there's a line where he's like, 
the the second woman I think that comes through, Channing Tatum turns to his guys and he's like, "We really need to reevaluate, guys. Like if he's if he's scoring girls like that, he must not be as much of a dweeb as we thought." It's very like it's very like surf like surfacial. Is that the word? Yeah, superficial. Superficial. Well, I'm just surfacial. Surfacial. I'm just forgetting <laughs> words. That's that's what happens. You drink drink a couple of whiskeys. God, yeah. Start making up bullshit words. James got new maple whiskey for Christmas, so we're finishing off the old yeah, maple, maple whiskey, whiskey today. Recommended. Mm-hmm. Storm Eunice is here, so we're stuck in the house, so we're just drinking. Eunice. Mm-hmm. What was the girl called again? Eunice. Yeah. Yeah. Eunice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah. Full anyway, circle. Full circle. Um. Yeah. So she's the man. We rewatched it, so you don't have to. Yeah, and I got some final thoughts. Uh, if anyone wanted to know, I mean, I was going to say, I should have said this right at the start, but we kind of went off on a tangent. But Sorry. like, critically, it's sort of in the middle. But as I said, it seems to be more people coming back to it with sort of fond eyes. On Amazon, it's got a rating of 4.8 out of 5. What? Right. And that's the highest one. How? That's the highest one. So then we move to uh, like IMDb. Mm-hmm. It's got 6.3 out of 10. Okay. Letterboxd. It's got 3.2 out of 5, mm. which I don't think is... which is. Well, it's not as bad as it should be. It's from, I mean, I've seen films on Letterboxd that I would sort of better than this with lower scores. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got 43%, Metacritic 45%. Okay. So those those would be probably more, you know, more current. Critical, yeah. Uh, as in, you know, more... Contemporary, contemporary to the, the movie, yeah. But even then, I mean, I think that's pretty... That's generous. Generous. Yeah, I mean, I... You were showing me an article where you were, well, you said this at the start too, that like, oh, it was ahead of its time with gender norms. I I really failed to see that. And maybe that is exposing my own bias as somebody who researches <laughs> gender representations, but it just is. I think people see in it what they want to see, right? Yeah. I think people want to, and they will look at the, the, the parts of it and they'll go, Oh, that that particular part was was quite good, or yeah. whatever. But then they will ignore other sections of it that are sort of and if, then undo I think that. If your understanding of feminism is from all white feminists and stopped in two thousand and ten, then maybe this looks like feminism to you. I don't know. I think people just see, oh, it's a girl playing football, and they're like, yeah, that's that's empowering. Yeah, and then, I mean, I think that's where like, but that's kind of where the book stops. <laughs> Yeah, and right. and that only goes as far as it goes. I don't actually, like, in terms of, if, if we're going to look at it on a metric of empowerment, I don't think it's a particularly empowering film because it's, you she know, same, the Tatum's same... help. And... Yeah, and the, and the same thing we say about all these Shakespeare comedies, like, the option is for her to end up with Channing Tatum at the end, right? Yeah. She's either going to, you know, become a lesbian and end up with Olivia, or she's going to date Channing Tatum. And the, the Olivia option is never never actually explored there's never any no. kind of you know as much as it kind even of... though olivia is like really attracted to her and sebastian yes and the minute that the real sebastian shows up it's like oh she just jumps straight away onto mm-hmm. the real sebastian and as her, in the play her feeling well yeah exactly it's not it's not amended or it's not updated in any way and you think well actually if we were treating this really um sensitively wouldn't olivia actually still have some sort of feelings for Viola because it was actually you know it was her is is who she actually is fallen for yeah and I like not just like oh but you look a bit like your brother and I like and I'll just transplant those feelings onto your brother who's now here right like and it it just is there's you know there's a certain extent to which it 
kind of treads into territory of imagining what a same-sex relationship between Tatum and Bynes might look like, right? Like, there there are moments where there's the moment where the the escaped spider is in their room and they like both freak out together and then they almost kiss and like there there are a couple of um moments that are kind of stolen from as you like it where um the the thing where they're doing the role play where Amanda Bynes is like oh I'll pretend to be my sister and you can practice yeah. talking to a girl um or where she comes back into the room and Tatum has been in a fight with her ex-boyfriend and she's like, oh my God, you're bleeding, but is still pretending to be a boy. Like it's all, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a more um, extensive exploration of what a relationship between the two of them might look like and, and of Tatum kind of getting drawn into liking this person, even though he thinks of himself as straight. Yeah. There's none of that with Olivia. Right. And no. it, like, fair enough, there isn't in Twelfth Night either. Right. Like Viola really yeah, does not, yeah, yeah. Does not it, entertain that thing, yeah. at all. Um, but yeah, you'd think if you're updating it. Yeah. We, you're coming back to it like several hundred years later. Yeah. But again, it's, it's all about it will send us back to that. It's, the, 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 the film is really all about Viola. Yeah. It's all about that character getting and what Olivia she wants. is just there for the conflict. Yes. Really is what it feels like. Sebastian just, you know, he's not even in the majority of the film. He's not yeah, even there. He's barely in it. Um, he just suddenly shows up at the end and it's like, ooh, ooh, <laughs> this hot girl likes me. Great. Bye. You know. Yeah, which is, to be fair, is is not that much less than what he does in 12th. No, yeah, but he does actually get involved in like some of the fights and stuff, doesn't he? That's true. I feel like Sebastian has more of a role in the play. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if you asked people at the time, they would probably see that as a kind of feminist win that like, oh yeah, well the brother doesn't get as much development and the brother is, yeah. you know, he's kind of the objectified one and he's the one who sucks at soccer and he's the one who like is all sensitive and wants to be in a band. And it's, yeah, there's a, um, I don't think that is a feminist win <laughs> for the record. Like, I don't, I don't know that, underdeveloping Sebastian as a character says anything at all about Viola, but I just think it makes the film seem less rounded. Yeah. Because it makes him just feel like a throwaway. He's just there as a device. Yes. And I mean, he isn't a bit in the original, right? But at least he has more, I feel like he's got more going on and you get Mm -hmm. more of a sense of who he is and he's kind of, he does sort of luck into things and you know, but in this one, he's, he's barely in the, you see him, you know, one scene and then he's off screen for the next hour. Yeah. And then he just conveniently shows up at the end when it's convenient to have the, the denouement. Yep. Yep. So yeah, as, yeah. as we said, we watched it again so you don't have to. Yeah. Um, well, interesting. I've got one other fact. Okay. And this may be something that we <laughs> come back to or, or don't. <laughs> we'll see how <laughs> we get on with this. But apparently there is a film, an earlier film, that's a, uh, an adaptation of... Twelfth oh yes, Night, from the '80s. From the '80s, called uh, "Just One of the Gang," mm-hmm. and it's again set in a high school. But I think it's due like journalism is the thing. Yeah, she's like not taken seriously. By yeah, so I don't, we don't. I don't know how much this kind of bites off that as well. Mm, could do. Yeah, it's a similar title, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and again, if you if you've liked what you've heard today, yeah, please leave us a review or please a leave us a review. Our only review is one word, and it's just trash. Full stop. Yeah. And no one's calling this movie trash. <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, you know, this movie is more trash than our podcast. Let's put it that way. Uh, all right. Yeah, she's the man.
Yeah. I guess she is. She is. No, she's not. She's emphatically not. But she convinces. Yes. But it's very, again, it's a quite binary title. It, it is, isn't it? It's a very <laughs> binary title. We're talking title. about the stuff and I've just thrown it in. <laughs> it's a very binary title and it's very, um, yeah, it's, it's again, that definite article, right? Like it's not she's a man, it's she's the man. Like she is the man we're supposed to care about. She is, and it like, I mean, I could get really deep in this and start talking about the male gaze and the idea that the man is the one who we're kind of, um, constructed to view as the maker of action and women are the receiver of action. So by making Amanda Bynes a man in the film, the man in the film, it, it sort of allows us to care about her as a character. In but a it's way still that on we, that sort of patriarchal foundation. Yeah, and like right? every time that she is playing uh, her own gender, right? Every time that she's Viola, she's always, apart from one scene in her soccer kit, she's always in some kind of skimpy, sexy dress. I remembered something we didn't mention that was the creepiest part of the film. What? The kissing booth. Oh, God. And that old man. Oh, That no. old man in the queue for the kissing booth. The kissing booth in general. Kissing booth right? in general. But then there's that shot with that old man. He's like, he's licking his lips or something. Ugh. It's the grossest Ugh. part of the film. There's, I, I, I mean, maybe this is a, a state fair carnival thing in places that are not where I grew up. I have never experienced a kissing booth. I didn't know this was still a thing that people did it's where like you, you literally carnival, pay like. money. To... This old man. Yeah. How is that old man allowed in? How, a. Also, how is the kid allowed? There's like a 10-year-old kid like in the queue. There's a 10-year-old kid and an old man to kiss a 17-year-old girl. It's... Yeah, it's it's gross. It, like, this... And it's supposed to be like a joke, but it's just... It's not it's funny. So creepy. It's, it's not funny. It's so creepy. And it's... I think I just looked at you and I was like... Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, the town pedophile is here. Well, but then also, right? Like Channing Tatum's big plan for how he's going to get Duke Orsino's big plan for how he's <laughs> yes. going to get It doesn't stop being funny. It's so stupid. Duke Orsino. That's actually the best joke in the film. Right. And I don't know if it's supposed to be. <laughs> I a don't joke. think it's intentional. Duke Orsino's big plan for how he's going to get to kiss Olivia, who he's, as in the play, he's been crushing on forever, unrequited, is that he's going to go to the kissing booth. So he he's literally like. He's going to pay. Yeah. <laughs> But then he ends up paying to kiss Viola, Amanda Bynes, in girl clothes, um, who is wearing, like, a bustier red strapless dress to this carnival, by the way. And changing in a bounce house. And changing in a bounce house. And and presumably changing in and out of her fake eyebrows in and sideburns. I'm just realizing. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I don't know. There's just so much wrong with this movie. We can't fit it all into one episode. If you have favorite moments that we didn't touch on, please, please speak know. about them. And apologies if we eviscerated one of your favorite movies. <laughs> I just, I don't know. It wasn't our intention to eviscerate it. It was, though. <laughs> it kind of was, but it, it kind of was worse than I think both of us were expecting. Yeah, I, I mean... I mean, it's like not I, the worst film I've ever seen. It, no, it, like, that's Functionally, true. it kind of moved along. I, it, didn't, it I wasn't a, bored by it. it. I was sort of... <laughs> Concerned by it. <laughs> I wasn't bored. What a review. I wasn't bored. Yeah. Yeah. I was outraged. Um, yeah, so she's the man. That's that's that. I just I yeah, don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Not Another Shakespeare Podcast, and this is our pre-recorded outro. If you liked this episode, please review and subscribe. If you hated this episode, maybe share it with a nemesis. 
You can follow us on social media at N.A. Shacks Podcast or check out our website, nashakespearepodcast.com. Thanks for listening and see thee next time. And fare thee well.